Welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk Live here on YouTube. So much to talk about today. So much wonderful news in the wa wonderfully wacky world of sports. Um, by the way, this is part one of a Real Take doubleheader, which I am never doing again. <laughs> um, but uh, that's how the scheduling worked out with this week. But Real Take Sports Talk followed by Real Take Wrestle Talk right after that. For those who are watching live here on YouTube, you can tune into that directly. Oh, hopefully almost directly after this. Um, but, yep, we got so much to get to. We're going to be talking about Dan Snyder getting caught interfering with an NFL investigation. Hot water. He could be in. Someone else whose seat is really hot is Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, could be on his way out after only one season. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Lamar Jackson and injury update to him. Russell Westbrook trade rumors. I'll kind of elaborate on that in a video I did on that earlier. Uh, much, much more to talk about here. Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. Real Take Sports Talk number 67. Wow, we're already at 67. Who knows? One day, hopefully, we'll get to 69. We're also uh, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before uh, the end of this year, 2021. We are at 946, I believe. So, if you're listening on Spotify, please do me a favor. Head on over to youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports and hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released as well. And if you're watching this, you're tuning in, please, please, please subscribe to the channel. Helps out a lot. Um, and we already have some chats. Ravens Flock is here. Welcome, Ravens Flock. Also, Professor Radigan. I, I hope I pronounced that right. The, prof the good professor's with us today. Uh, it says, maybe this is a chance that Dan Snyder is finally out. Maybe. We'll talk about it uh, in just a second. But uh, before we talk about Dan Snyder, we are going to be talking about the NFL. Uh, let's talk about one NFL coach who is also probably going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Whoa. My shirt looks wacky. I should probably put something else on, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah, well, hold up. I got it. Midstream adjustments. It's good we're getting this out of the way because I don't want my uh, wavy, the waviness of this shirt to distract from the uh, wonderfully, wonderfully hot takes I'm about to pour right onto everybody in this as I, as you guys are embarrassingly seeing me struggle to put this on. And thank God for podcast listeners who uh, don't have to see me struggle. But. Comes the break. So let's talk about it. Urban Meyer could be done in Jacksonville, and with very good reason. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Urban Meyer. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, what he has and has not been able to do in his very short time in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer was brought in as a as a changing of the guard. He was supposed to be come in and be a game changer. That has not happened, but there were reports this week that Urban Meyer's job was not safe, that internally people within the organization were talking about him potentially being on the hot seat and one and done in Jacksonville. Here's his response to those reports and others criticizing the way he approaches players. In the last 24 hours about the dysfunction uh, on the team, you having uh, an incident with Marvin Jones, you having some uh, acrimony with uh, the assistant coaches uh, saying that they were saying in one instance that they were losers, you know, because their resume didn't have any, uh, I guess, championship or winning season, whatever. Uh, 
can you at least address that and whether and whether it's accurate? Yeah, the uh, calling someone a loser that's inaccurate. I have high expectations for our coaches. I uh, very demanding of our coaches, um, and expect guys to be held accountable for their positions. And at times, uh, when they're not, those are we address it. Uh, but I assure you, there is not whatever report. Amy told me something about that. That's nonsense. Um. There we go. So there you heard Urban Meyer vehemently deny any allegations that he had disrespected players, deny allegations that he's on the hot seat. Uh, he basically said that report was garbage. And, you know, setting this up and putting some more context on this, you know, the whole Marvin Jones situation they were talking about there, uh, league sources apparently confirmed to ESPN on Saturday that uh, Marvin Jones had been persuaded to return to the team after leaving the facility um, Here, after hearing Urban Meyer publish criticism about wide receivers. Sources also said that Meyer and Jones had a heated exchange of practice after he didn't return. So there's some internal struggle there. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars owner, Shahid Khan, uh, proud Pakistani, by the way, uh, has said that he will not be uh, getting rid of Meyer before the season ends. Uh, he was very steadfast in that decision and very steadfast saying, I want to do the right thing for the team. I want to do the right thing for this city. So he's not going to be swayed by emotion, basically. And if we're being honest, the right thing for the city, the right thing for the team, the right thing for everybody involved, the right thing for Shad Khan as an owner is probably at the end of the season or even before then, if you can, move on from Urban Meyer. It has not worked. It has just not worked. This team is actually somehow a shell of the team that was 1-15 last year. Because instead of actually being in some games and actually competing at times, the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, they had a few games where they were one or two plays away from actually being like winning that game. So it wasn't a situation that they were 1-15, but they were actually in some games. This year, they just have not been in games. They're 2-11. and Their offense is struggling mightily. Even comparatively last year, they're still struggling mightily. This is after having two first-round picks in this draft, after having the number one overall pick in this draft. And, you're, and the worst thing about it is the quarterback play is struggling. Trevor Lawrence, who came in, was a consensus number one overall pick, including by someone like me. I've said it. He's a consensus number one overall pick. Even he's struggling in this situation. They're ranked near the bottom of the league in every, almost every statistical category. They just recently benched their best player in James Robinson. And on top of that, they're coming off a loss to the Titans. 20 to nothing. And the Titans are a team that they notoriously play hard against. Or they have at least the past few years, even when they were bad. So, is he on the hot seat? Is Urban Meyer on the hot seat? If he's not, he should be 100%. Urban Meyer was brought in to do a job of fixing culture, and he was brought in to do a job of fixing the development of talent. In his time here, he has done nothing to develop an inclusive or accountable culture. In fact, he's done the quite the opposite. Urban Meyer, since coming in, the, the biggest thing that we've heard from Jacksonville this entire season was involving Urban Meyer partying with college-age girls at a club after a game, after a loss to, I believe, the Bengals. That's what that's what we remember the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in, in 2021. That's the only thing you're going to remember about them in 2021, the fact that Urban Meyer did that, you know? So 
that was like the only thing that he of note that he's actually brought attention to this whole year, and it was just bad because he. How are you going to hold players accountable when you aren't being held accountable yourself? Um, we can talk about the James Robinson situation. I think it mirrors aspects of the Marvin Jones situation as well because James Robinson, this dude, as an undrafted rookie last year, had over a thousand yards uh, rushing. I believe he had uh, about six hundred yards receiving. I might be. Uh, might be uh, uh, spitballing there, but he he was very effective back. Trust me, I had I had him in fantasy. Very effective running back, and this year they've gone from using him minimally to benching him. And this isn't even for their first round pick, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, they drafted in the first round, hasn't played all season because he was injured in preseason. So this isn't even a situation of oh you're getting the younger guy some more reps. They just benched their best player. He's their best player. That's not even a question. So you have that. You have the the way people view the, the culture of the Jags. They're not developing that culture. You're alienating players. You're alienating staff. You're alienating everybody, the media as well. So him as a head coach in this instance has failed completely. It's not even close to being a success. I don't care if it's one year. The bare minimum Urban Meyer was supposed to be brought in to do is develop a culture. Not necessarily a winning culture right out of the gate, but a culture of accountability and a culture where people, where you can transcend and, and evolve into a winning culture. He has done none of that. He's done absolutely none of that. He he does not understand what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL, and that's fine, all right? People want to talk about... How all oh, Urban Meyer, he's this big flop in the NFL. Guys, Nick Saban was a huge flop in the NFL. Like, that's the thing. Sometimes, you if you're a great college coach, you should just stay and remain a great college coach. Very few people have effectively transitioned from head coach in college to head coach in the NFL. Jim Harbaugh is one of the exceptions. You can even maybe, maybe put Chip Kelly in there. Actually, no, not after four, the time he had in 49ers. No, no, never mind. But it, it, it doesn't happen to everybody. There's a select few who are able to do it. Urban Meyer is not one of them, in my opinion. Moving on to something similar and, and related to this. By the way, guys, if you haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please, please, please hit that follow button and leave us a five-star review. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Con continuing the conversation about Urban Meyer just for a second. Um, something that was brought to my attention by one of my friends this week was because uh, I was we were talking about the whole Urban Meyer situation and something that was brought to my attention but for my friend was that why do people view Urban Meyer differently than people view Dan Campbell? Because you know Dan Campbell very similar situation, someone could argue worse situation. You know the the Lions are what one uh they're what one ten and one. They're not winning games. They're getting blown out in some games. They're fighting in some games, but they're they're a losing team. Worst team in the NFL. But people still view Dan Campbell as a good head coach or going to develop into a good head coach. Why did they view them differently? Well, the reason is the culture thing I was talking about earlier. Urban Meyer has not developed a winning, accountable, or good culture there that's going to foster talent, that's going to foster accountability, that's going to foster winning eventually. Dan Campbell has at least motivated his team enough. He's he's emotional about his team. He talks up to his team. He's close to his players. 
he understands what it takes to to actually coach in the NFL. That's the difference between these two situations. Urban Meyer is coaching the way Urban Meyer coaches, which works great in college, does not work great in the NFL because you're not dealing with young college athletes who need to be molded. You're dealing with adults who want you or who are going to hold you accountable. That that's the thing that sometimes that's the roles are reversed sometimes. Urban Meyer needs to, if he wanted to be successful, he should have known that. He should have known that these players are also going to hold me as accountable as I'm going to hold them. That's the relationship that, that's developed over time. Only a few select head coaches don't get, uh, are, are immune to that. Bill Belichick being one, uh, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh being others, Andy Reid. But th- that's the main difference. Urban Meyer has not developed a culture. And Dan Campbell, for whatever you want to say, sometimes the team doesn't look good. The team is not talented at all. I, I would argue the Detroit Lions are... Less talented, definitely less talented than the Jacksonville Jaguars, all right? But what's happening? To begin the season, they were in a lot of games. They were fighting to the end. Hell, they even managed to tie this year, which, you know what? Accomplishment. I don't know how the hell you managed to tie. But they managed to tie. And you can see the emotion, the love for their head coach. You know why that is? Because he is setting that culture. He's setting that example, People want to play for him. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about culture. Urban Meyer has done it. Dan Cam- or Urban Meyer hasn't done it. Dan Campbell has obviously done it. And it doesn't take much to really understand that. Just watch the press conferences. Watch the way people talk about D.C. Big shout out to D.C., by the way. You're going to be a good one. Trust me. Just, just hold tight, friend. Hold tight. Um, and all of you guys listening, please hold tight. And hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Daily videos on sports, wrestling, and much, much more always right here live on YouTube. Um, We got some other stuff to talk about as well as I uh, change up my graphics. Uh, Let's actually go to... Excuse me. Let's actually go to the chat real quick where uh, Cameron, good friend of the show, Cameron is coming to the chat. And he says, Jags owner Shad Khan should get rid of Meyer before the end of this year. Shad Khan needs to make a dramatic statement about Meyer's behavior. Jacksonville needs to return back to its glory day. The, oh, yeah, the glory day. The glory day of that AFC championship game in 2017. The glory day. I think you're talking about glory day. It was like it was, it was a hot minute. Um, Cameron also says in the chat that Urban Meyer needs to learn true discipline from Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel needs to learn true discipline from John Harbaugh. But... I digress. Professor in the chat says, It has been hard to see Robinson just being thrown in a corner like that. Philip Lindsay's in a similar story. Absolutely. Philip Lindsay, I don't understand how no one... I don't understand the Ravens didn't sign that guy, but I digress again. Um, But yeah, at least Lindsay was on a decent Broncos team. He was on a decent Broncos team for a while. Um, Cameron in the chat also says, Dan Campbell will become a Hall of Fame coach one day, disciplined coach who who is passionate about his work. Hey, I'm all in for DC. I'm all in for DC. We love Dan Campbell on this show. Uh, Cameron also ends us in the chat saying, Dan Campbell equals Hall of Famer. Urban Meyer equals not NFL Hall of Famer. Urban Meyer will be in the College Football Hall of Fame. That's a guarantee. That's going to happen. He is one of the best coaches, I think, in college football history. Like, just look at what he's done. He might even go back for a third stint in college football at a third college and be successful. That, like, that's how... That's how that's how he good he is. He's just really good at coaching college football, and I just don't understand. I get it was a cash grab. It, it just wasn't. There wasn't much passion behind it. There really just wasn't much passion behind it. That's what it is at the end of the day. 
You know what there is passion behind, though. This show and Gardner, Flint, Minshew the second. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about the man of the hour, the man with the power. I didn't get to do it last week, so I'm talking about it now. Gardner Flint Minshew made his first start for the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe a week and a half ago, and absolutely killed it. He murdered the other team's defense. Can I say that? Probably not anyway. But Gardner Flint Minshew made a huge statement in his first start as the Eagles starting quarterback. Two touchdowns, completed about 80% of his passes, did an amazing job putting the ball in the right places, getting the ball to Dallas Goddard, his big target at tight end. And running this offense efficiently and executing everything to almost perfection. Which, if you look at this guy's career, that's all Gardner Flint Minshew has done his entire career. And granted, it's a brief one, undra- or a sixth-round pick from 2019. Same draft as Daniel Jones, same draft as Dewey Haskins, same draft as Kyler Murray. And I'm going to argue this till the day I die. He should have beaten out Kyler Murray for Rookie of the Year. Six and six as a starter, 21 touchdowns to six interceptions, wasn't even close, if you ask me. But I get it. Kyler's the number one pick. He gets all the glory. Minshew gets the spoils, I guess. But the the way the Eagles season has gone, you know, a lot of people are asking, what should they do? Should they roll with Minshew? Should they potentially, you know, try to should they potentially try to, you know, maybe at some point trade him? Uh, and stick with Jalen Hurts and then trade him in the offseason. Like, I, I, there's a lot of scenarios out there. Here's what I think is going to happen with Gardner Minshew. I think we're going to see Gardner Minshew start one more game. And, and I think it's dependent, too. If Gardner Minshew starts one more game, I think he's going to be successful because that's all he's been shown to do in the NFL, just be successful as a quarterback. And I think with pieces around him, he could be very good. I see him at the right. I mean, he's young in his development. And I already see him in that category of like G, of like you know Jared Goff with the Rams or Jimmy G with the 49ers, like a really efficient quarterback who's only going to get better. That's the difference though between him and, and him and those types of quarterbacks. I think he's only going to get better, and I think his ceiling is actually higher. But he's like three years in now. This is his third year, and he all he's done is thrown 39 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. I believe he's now what eight and fourteen as a starter, and six and six is rookie year. Won his first start here this year. That Jags team last year was awful. So, but but I think what he will provide to this Eagles offense is stability, and the ability to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers um, more often. Now, is Jalen Hurts a playmaker on that Eagles team? Absolutely, and I think that's just something the Eagles need to figure out. Has Jalen Hurts showed enough that he's going to be your starter moving forward? And then on the flip side, do you want to, how much more are we going to see from Gardner Minshew? And, you know, if he starts one more game, I think they're just going to start him for, for the rest of the year. If only just to inflate his trade value. Because Gardner Minshew, I'm telling you, this dude, if you put him on any t- if you put this man on the Broncos tomorrow... The Broncos, he they their situation gets much better because Minshew is just as accurate as Teddy Bridgewater, can throw the ball farther than Teddy Bridgewater, is I think better in the in moving out of the pocket than Teddy Bridgewater. He's got that swagger about him. He's got that energy. The his teammates love him. He's a locker room leader, even when he's not starting. He's a locker room leader. 
He's got all the intangibles you want in a quarterback, and he's only in his third year. People, I think people, he's 25 years old, and he's only going to get better. 37 touchdowns or 11 interceptions. He's a diamond, a literal diamond in the NFL fields, just waiting to be plucked. Like, 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 or, or a flower waiting to be plucked. I don't know. You get, you get my point. Gardner Minshew is great. So, at some point, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Eagles trading him, I think that's the most likely scenario, honestly. I think the Eagles are going to end up trading him. Again, he's going to bounce between one more team. I just really hope that team is a team like the Denver Broncos that has the pieces around uh, in the uh, around the quarterback already, but are just missing that guy who can at least come in and stabilize everything. Not to say Teddy Bridgewater's not done a good job. Minshew's just 100% an, an elevation uh, and better than Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion. But we'll see what happens. Big shout out though to Gardner Minshew, man. He is. He, I I cannot believe the 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 ludicrous behavior of some of these GMs and not wanting to go out and get this guy after everything he's done in the NFL. He's just proven time and time again that all he does is win. It's just like this is. You remember how people were going off about Tim Tebow? A few years ago, you remember all that? You remember all that Tebow mania and, and and all that jazz? This is, imagine this. This is like the real Tebow mania. This is, this is this should be like up there with Tebow mania. Like, but it's not because he was a sixth round pick and he went to Washington State and and he's not. Oh my gosh, he's a Gardner Minshew. He's not Daniel. Jones. He's better than Daniel. Jones. He's better than almost. Outside of Kyler Murray, he's better than all the quarterbacks in that draft, and it's not even close. Not even close. Remotely close. Like, it's not. So, put some respect on his name. NFL GMs, take notice. This dude is a baller. Please. And also, if you're listening, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever one of our daily videos are released. Go to the chat real quick. We got uh, Derek Murillo, Murillo, Derek, welcome to the chat, Derek, says, bring Minshew Mania to Cleveland, we could use, we could use the mustache, muscle, go brownies, I would fear Gardner Minshew in that Browns offense and that Browns team much more than I would fear Baker Mayfield, that's not saying that Baker Mayfield isn't, <clears throat> or Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield are, uh, are, you know, like, one is better than the other. I think they're actually very similar level of quarterback right now. But I do think that that team is made for someone who is going to, who's some, someone like Case Keenum, someone like Gardner Minshew, who's going to come in there, get the ball to playmakers when it needs to, when the plays need to be made, but not, you know, the team isn't solely reliant on him making plays. So that's the difference between Baker Mayfield and, and someone else in there. I think Baker with Baker Mayfield, the Browns kind of feel like they have to have him more involved. That's why they throw the ball like 25 to 30 to 35 times a game for no reason, even though Baker's injured. Like, I never got that. You have like two-headed monster at running back, three-headed monster at running back, actually, with uh, the DeForest in there. So you got three really good running backs who've all rushed, rushed for 100 yards this year, and you're still throwing the ball like 30, 35 times a game? Just saying, I don't like it. I don't trust it. And you know what else I don't trust? Dan Snyder's Washington football team. Oh, Dan Snyder. The saga of Dan Snyder continues. Dan Snyder was caught interfering 
with the NFL's investigation. This, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've been waiting to talk about this all day. I just need to prepare myself. <sighs> okay. So Dan Snyder was caught interfering in the NFL's probe into the Washington football team, and it could spell disaster for the owner of the franchise. Washington football team owner Dan Snyder reportedly enlisted attorneys and private investigators to interfere with uh, Beth Wilkerson, who is in charge of the probe and the allegations of workplace misconduct in the Washington football team. Uh, Wilkinson, Wilkinson, I should say, attempted to interview former team employees who accused Snyder, um, which Snyder's attorney have apparently uh, denied. But um, basically what happened here is Wilkinson attempted to interview employees, but Snyder's attorneys tried to prevent them by offering women additional money not to speak to her. Um, and, you know, this is part of that whole investigation. All those emails we were talking about earlier that got John Gruden fired um, in part. This is all encompassed right here. So Dan Snyder was caught trying to basically, you know, pay people off not to talk to the NFL's investigator, which should probably piss off the NFL and will probably piss off the NFL. Um, meanwhile, it was reported that private investigators hired by Snyder reportedly showed up uninvited at homes of sev several former employees and contacted their friends, relatives, um, according to these former players and employees and their attorneys. Um, and it was determined by the NFL's investigation team that this was, um, to an extent, an act of interfering and an act of intimidation aimed at discouraging their former employees of participating in the investigation. So with all that out of the way, that's a lot, right? With all that out of the way, what does this show us about Dan Snyder? It shows us nothing new. Dan's, I don't believe that Dan Snyder, in my opinion, is a person who would be above interfering in investigations like this. I don't believe that the the NFL's investigative probe would have gone on without Dan Snyder interfering. That's my humble opinion. And I believe that Dan Snyder, this is serious for him. I truly believe that this is serious. Of all the things, of all the things that the NFL and, and Dan Snyder have done, of all, and specifically Dan Snyder, of all the things that he has done, I think this is the one that has landed him in the most hot water with the NFL. Because the NFL, look, they're a business. They don't care about the name. They don't care about the, the you know, they don't really care about, you know, Dan Snyder and how terrible of an operational owner he is. They don't care about any of that. They care about money. And they care about their own reputation. By interfering in this probe, Dan Snyder has directly, directly undermined the NFL. And the Shield does not play around with that. We, Roger Goodell does not play around with that. There, there's, there's reason to believe that Roger, that the NFL basically leaked the John Gruden emails because John Gruden's, because of John Gruden's opinion about the NFL. There is a lot that I think is going to happen from this. I, I genuinely believe if there's anything that is going to possibly bring down the ownership of Dan Snyder of the Washington Football Team, it could be this. Because this is damn serious. You don't mess with the shield. You don't mess with Roger Goodell. You don't mess with these internal probes. And of course, is it a scummy thing to do with Met to, to interfere and intimidate former employees who, who are going to be part of an investigation in your misconduct allegations? Obviously. And if and if you are ever in a situation where that happens, 
don't intimidate those employees. <laughs> like, it's very simple. And it, it's, it is indicative of everything that has been wrong with the Washington football team and how it's been run over the past 20 years. People knew the name was wrong. But what happened? Undermining of the efforts to change the name for years and decades. People knew that the team was a mess organizationally it, and, 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 and the way everything ran it was a mess. All that was undermined for years. The, operation, the operations of the entire football team were undermined for years. Ruining star quarterback after star quarterback after star quarterback, letting some people just walk. And the cherry on top is this. Because this is indicative of someone who genuinely believes they can do no wrong. This is indicative of someone who truly believes that they are above reproach. This is indicative of someone who has been finally caught in the act with his hand all the way in the cookie jar trying to undermine the very league that gives him any credibility in the, in the business world and in football. We would not be uttering Dan Snyder's name <laughs> right now if he, it wasn't for him owning this football team. There's a lot that's going to happen, but if there's anything that's going to bring down the ownership of this football team from Dan Snyder, it is this. It should have happened a long time ago because he has been proven not to be a winner. He's been proven, like how many playoff wins do the, do the Washington football team have since he's owned? Pretty sure the Ravens have more Super Bowls in, since Dan Snyder's owned the Washington football team than the Washington football team has wins. That's bad, bro. That is bad. All right. So hopefully they can fix that. Hopefully this is the one thing that finally, finally, by God, finally, that puts an end to just a tumultuous and pretty depressing era in this franchise's otherwise pretty illustrious history, unless you ignore, you know, uh, the, the first owner. What was his name? George Marshall Prescott? Yeah, we don't talk about him. That was That was... Somehow even worse. Uh, the parental just hopefully the hopefully the next person is a lot better. We can the, and again there's only up from there to go. They're like you can only go up from that. But man, who knows? This, this team has apparently done worse before. But we'll see. Good luck to them. Uh, good luck to the NFL's investigation. And honestly, the NFL should punish him by banishing him from the league. That's my opinion. I think that's that's the only way you. That's the only way you prove to the rest of the owners, the rest of the, the team officials, that this type of action, undermining NFL official investigations, will not be tolerated. That's the only way you get that point across. But that's just my humble, humble, humble opinion. Whew. We are in it today. Guys, if you haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We got so much more to talk about today. Um, as Ryan Woodridge is in the chat, welcome Ryan. Um, ooh, asking me about uh, asking me about uh, Dean Ambrose. First of all, no. Uh, first of all, the the wrestling stream is up next, Ryan. So uh, right after this stream, will you can ha ask any wrestling questions. But just to quickly answer that, no, he's never going back to WWE. No. Um, Ryan also asks, will the Cowboys fire Mike McCarthy? 
Yes, they should. No, sorry, sorry. Will they? No, no, no. They will not. The Cowboys will not fire Mike McCarthy, even though they probably should fire Mike McCarthy. You know, that's just... We want to talk about owners. <laughs> you want to talk about NFL owners and, and not doing a good job? Uh, you got one on in Dallas who's been uh, known to ruffle some feathers as well. But that's also... I, I have a very personal thing with Jerry Jones. We'll, we'll get into that another day. But moving on to college football as I take a sip of water. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. On some Matthew McConaughey, Ma- Matthew McConaughey, isn't it? All right, let's talk about it. So, Oklahoma star quarterback Spencer Rattler will transfer. This is a huge uh, shift in college football right now. Another huge departure for the Oklahoma Sooners as quarterback Spencer Rattler will transfer to South Carolina. He will join the Gamecocks next year for the next year's college football season. Uh, During his time at uh, Oklahoma, he had a record of 15-2, 40 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, was successful for a lot of the run. Uh, Then this year happened. He lost his starting job to freshman standout Caleb Williams, and now the rest is history. He's on his way. He's going to get a fresh start. And hope and trying to keep his draft stock high, hopefully for 2023, when a lot of people expect him to come out and be one of the best quarterbacks in that draft. We'll see. It depends on how he plays at um, at South Carolina now. Uh, new interesting note though, he's going to be following Sean Beamer, Beamer, Sean Beamer, um, who is who was formerly an Oklahoma assistant coach, led the Gamecocks this year to a six and six record. Uh, so. Spencer Rattler joining some familiar company. Uh, Lincoln Riley, he left. Spencer Rattler left. Um, Sean Beamer left. So th- th- there are a lot of pe- Oklahoma is just a whole new thing now. It's just new. But what does this mean for him? Let's focus on Spencer Rattler. What does this move to South Carolina mean for Spencer Rattler? And again, this guy was 15-2 and at Oklahoma, 40 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, and they still benched him for the freshman who was playing very well. And I think the the situation with Spencer Rattler this year can only be described as not that he was bad. I, I, I want to be very clear about this. Spencer Rattler was not bad or did not lose his job, I should say, because he was bad. I just think it was a situation where he just wasn't good enough to keep his job, especially after they got Caleb Williams in there and they had that comeback they had that they, had that, they mounted that comeback, um, you know, in in one of the games. I forgot which one exactly it was. It was an amazing comeback, and then the rest is history. Rattler Rattler lost his starting job because this guy was young, he was hungry, and he had a lot more potential. I think people saw than Rattler did. And Rattler's a guy who people were comparing to Patrick Mahomes. He's got a huge arm. He runs around a lot. He's got great speed. And he's got that vision, that NFL vision. He go, goes through his progressions very well. He is, I think, going to be a standout in the NFL one day. And now he's going to have to prove it as a member of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Again, Gamecocks won 6-6 six and six this year. They were kind of in a rebuilding year. So as far as uh, the what the outlook for Rattler is and the outlook for that team is, it's going to depend on a few things. Uh, it's going to depend on, you know... I think the one, the help that Rattler has around him, he's a very good and extremely capable quarterback. Like that's saying the very least, this guy's great. Okay. But 
it's going to depend on just, I think, how good that team around him is. And that team around him, if we're being honest, it's not great. Not too many great weapons around him. The defense is really suspect, in my opinion. And, you know, I don't think those things are going to change in the short amount of time that he's going to transfer there. He's going to start there. He's going to be starting games in September. So it's not like they're going to be bringing in this amazing freshman class. Is Spencer Rattler going to be a significantly better recruiting tool for some extremely standout freshman receivers? Yes, he is going to be a very good recruiting tool for that. But I don't think it's going to do enough to recreate what he had in Oklahoma. That's just not going to happen. What he had in Oklahoma was just, that was exactly what you want as a quarterback as as far as an offense, an offensive coordinator, and uh, also just weapons around you. So, can he be successful? Obviously, he can. He's just—I don't think he's going to be as successful as he would have been in if he had remained the starter in Oklahoma. But again, he was never going to remain the starter in Oklahoma. So that—that's—that's that's the deal. And I still think that if he plays well enough, he should still be looked and viewed as a top quarterback in the 23 draft. And that's going to be a very good draft class from what we're projecting. There's going to be a lot of standouts in that draft. Um, but he's going... To, but I think this this fresh start for Rattler is needed because he was not going to do anything at Oklahoma. They, they were going to start Caleb Williams. That was just... They're going to start Caleb Williams. He's just young and good. And that's sometimes how... That's how the boat goes sometimes. Sometimes it's just the younger guy who lights a spark in the team like Caleb Williams did, who ends up taking a guy who's also very good's job. Look at the NFL. It happened a few times, guys. It happened Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe wasn't a scrub. He was really good. Tom Brady just came in, young guy, higher ceiling, led him to the Super Bowl. Uh, Similar situation with Kurt Warner and Trent Green. You know, so... There's a few situations where this has happened in the NFL level. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting some situations. There are definitely some situations at the college level this has happened. But Rattler's outlook for next year, I think, is going to be fine as long as he avoids some of the early mistakes that he made at Oklahoma. I think at Oklahoma, he tried early on to do a little too much, and it ended up biting him in the butt. So slow the game down. Play your game, dude. Spread it out. Throw the ball deep, run the ball on on for, on second down. You'll be fine. He'll be fine, people. I know a lot of people are want to overreact to Spencer Rattler and 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 what happened this year. The dude still went six and zero as a starter. Well, you could say five and zero. Five and zero as a starter, and he threw forty touchdowns and twelve interceptions during his time at uh, at Oklahoma. He wasn't a scab. He wasn't bad. It was just the situation that arose that that led him out of that out of there. So fresh start for him. Hopefully he's gonna do well. I got I got good odds that he's gonna do well. I think he's gonna be fine. But y'all, let me know what you think. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We got some chats here that we'll get to in just a second. Uh, before I do that. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, also be sure to go to follow us on Twitter at Real Take Sports for updates on videos and much, much more at Real Take Sports. Real Take Sports talk on Facebook and Instagram as well. As we move on to the NBA, and there's 
Interesting stuff going on in the NBA, everybody. Very interesting stuff going on in the NBA today. Uh, especially with one Russell Westbrook. Uh, before we do that, though, uh, let's talk about Ryan Woodridge. What young QB next season could be the next Tom Brady? Oh, my God. Who died? Uh, that's a loaded question, Ryan. Um, I I'll tell you what young QB could be good next year. Uh, I mean, I would say look out for Trey Lance. That's the... That's the guy. Like, Trey Lance, I think, is going to be very good next year. He's had a year to sit uh, behind Jimmy G, who's a more than capable quarterback, but with Kyle Shanahan running the system down there. Um, I think he's going to be set up for the success more than anyone else right now. Um, another one who might, depending on what Matt Nagy's future may lie, Bears fans everywhere are hoping that he just goes away, but we'll, we'll see if that's ever going to be possible. Justin Fields, I think, is the most talented person I, I like he's just I he's transit he transitioned to the NFL exactly how I thought he would um especially under a guy like uh like uh Matt Nagy like now this was gonna happen but I think Justin Fields is gonna be very good uh in a year or two uh but next year it's gonna be Trey Lance that's a young QB I'm everyone's looking out for um who was the QB for uh <laughs> Green Bay in the 70s uh that was Bart Starr wasn't it and then he was your head coach for a while. That was crazy. Bart Starr, big shout out. Shout out to Bart Starr. Haven't heard that name in a while, have you? Anyway, guys, let's move on and talk about the NBA. I talked about this in a video earlier on today. According to a report from Bleacher Report, uh, again, very credible source there. Did, did that sound snide? That was not meant to sound snide at all. Uh, Bleacher Report is an extremely credible source, actually. I should not say that anyway but according to bleacher reports jake fisher the lakers have had internal discussions about trading guard russell westbrook given his poor fit with lebron james and anthony davis in the lakers offense this comes a day after the athletics uh the athletic reported that the lakers are interested in ben simmons westbrook would need to be uh so okay lakers are interested in ben simmons Russell Westbrook, they've had internal discussions about trading him. Uh, this is crazy. Especially considering Russell Westbrook, he was traded to the Lakers on the day of the draft. People were expecting big things. This was the next big three. Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, um, uh, LeBron James. You added in Melo to the mix. You're bringing back Rondo. You're bringing back Howard. You're bringing back all these really great pieces and we're at this point in the season, the Lakers are, what, sixth in the in the Western Conference right now? And it's a good Western Conference, but the Lakers are supposed to be the class of this conference. That's why you construct this team. You have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, and you can't find a way to, to make that work? It raises questions, and rightfully so. I will say this. I still do think it is too early to, you know, blow the whistle or, or, or sound the alarm, as people say, on this whole Lakers situation. I still think it's too early for that. I think that the Los Angeles Lakers need time still to mess together because you look at historically some of these big three teams that came together. I mean, the exception of the Boston Celtics, they were apparently really good right out the gate, right? But 
you'll get the Miami team that LeBron James built, right? That that Miami team, then the the dream team of D Way, Chris Bosh, and, and LeBron James. It took them nearly half the season to figure out how to play with each other. Now, I would say the only difference between this situation and that is that it seems like things are kind of going backwards with, with the Lakers and Russell Westbrook and his fit and, and his play is staying out especially. And it's kind of proving some of the things that we knew about Russell Westbrook, that he is a player who is at his best when he has the ball. When the ball runs through Westbrook, he dominates. That hasn't necessarily translated to many playoff victories. That hasn't necessarily translated to Russell Westbrook and his team winning games. That has not translated, obviously, on the Lakers at all. So that's why I I think it's not working. I think it has to do with the way Russell Westbrook kind of plays. And I think he it would behoove him to adjust his play. We'll see if he does or not in time. But as far as the 76ers potentially being a trade partner for Russell Westbrook, that's an interesting note for me. Um, because apparently the 76ers have denied. Um, they have reportedly denied interest in a trade for Russell Westbrook. We know that Ben Simmons is still not a member of that team. Ben Simmons is still not um, on the uh, like he's still not showed up to practice, and you know they're not gonna. That's he's demanded a trade. We I don't think that situation is gonna be mended for anytime soon. So it brings up his name, and I think the Seventy Sixers, as far as them not being interested, they're not interested until they are interested, right? When you, when the Lakers call them up and legitimately put Russell Westbrook on the table. I think it's going to change the tune of whether or not they're seriously interested. Uh, the reason I say that is because right now you're dealing with Ben Simmons, who was on a max contract, who is burning money, who's burning cap, who it doesn't want to be on your team, and you have a chance to get someone like Russell Westbrook, who bare minimum is going to show up and he's going to score points, hopefully, and at least do something and, and be that ball-dominant guard that, you know, you kind of wanted Ben Simmons to be. Will it work with Joel Embiid and, and, and them boys over there? I'm skeptical. I, I think it'll work better than it is in L.A. right now just because I think I think Embiid as a center, as a large, as a big, it, it, it actually helps Westbrook out more because he's going to be able to... He's going to be able to get Embiid the ball, and he's going to be able to, you know, kind of take his own because that's kind of Embiid's role as well to kind of, you know, just be there, <laughs> just kind of be there sometimes. But, you know, I think two dominant players that play on the direct opposite end of the starting lineup, that'll work better than what the Lakers have going on with Westbrook and how he plays. That's just my opinion. That being said, I do think the 76ers would demand more. I don't know who or what would be part of that trade. Potentially picks. Potentially, uh, you know, more players. I'm not sure the Lakers have that budding roster that they once had. They traded away a lot of those young pieces and they've gone all in on win-now mode, right? Um, so I, I think you're looking at a bunch of first-round picks and the 76ers are warranted in asking that and probably smart for asking that if if they would be because the Lakers are the ones who are desperate to get Russell Westbrook off their books, right? Now, that being said, Lake, how would you got to look at how Ben Simmons would fit in the Lakers offense or the Lakers team? I think he would he would be a great facilitator and 
it would work only if Melo and others stepped up in scoring. If Melo specifically does not step up in scoring, which he, he's shown that he can do at, at times this season, I'm not sure what how successful it's going to be because Ben Simmons just can't shoot. Like, we know this. It's not it's not a secret. It's no, you know, I'm not breaking news to anyone. I'm not triggering. I shouldn't be triggering anyone. It's just the truth. Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. He hasn't been able to his, what, four or five years now in the league. And, you know, he that's okay. He probably shouldn't be a max contract player, but that's okay because he can do a lot of other things very well. He's a great elite passer, in my opinion. He is good in the paint. He just is not going to be the guy who's going to put up 30 and, and have like, you know, a 30 to a 40% night from the three-point line. He'd be lucky if he has like a, a, a 1% night at the at the three-point line. That's just him. And that's just how he is. But we'll see what happens with that. Um, another team that could be in the mix here, because this was rumored, and I'm excited to talk about this. Another team that could that was rumored apparently in with this whole Westbrook situation that's going on. Um <clears throat> excuse me, as my throat is finally giving up on me. Anyway, so another team that could be in on the Russell Westbrook sweepstakes are my Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, yes, yes. Think about it like this. So there are there's this rumor, there's this scenario, this weird scenario where the Cavs could end up with Russell Westbrook as part of a trade that would send Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio to and ho- probably picks over to the Los Angeles Lakers. And I am of the opinion that while, look, while the Cavs definitely should not do this, um, if they can manage to get, you know, a draft pick back and hopefully not give up a draft pick. That's the one thing I'm like, like, don't give up any first round draft picks. We're going to need those. Um, but, but if they manage to not give up any draft picks and make that happen, get Kevin Love off the books, you put Kevin Love with LeBron James. And remember, LeBron wanted Kevin Love to join him in LA a few years ago. There was apparently a trade that was going to happen that would send Kevin Love to, that would have sent Kevin Love to LA and, you know, AD got there and then it was kind of like eight, like, you know, I think the, the rumor, at least, rumor and innuendo was that K, that uh, AD, you know, was kind of like, hey, let's maybe hold off on that. Um, so there's there's so there's a whole thing about that. But I think that that scenario, if you're the Cavs, you got to entertain it. Because worst case scenario, Russell Westbrook is going to come in there. Colin Sexton's obviously injured. He's going to take that rollover, right? He's going to be dominant. He's going to score a lot of points. Going to sell a lot of tickets. Might even end up making the playoffs. Are the Cavs at that point going to be a team that's going to, you know, make a lot of noise in the playoffs? No, I don't think so. They're young. They have a lot of good pieces, a lot of really good pieces. You you, you have Laurie Marketing. You have, uh, obviously, Evan Mobley, the number three pick in this draft, who's going to be an elite center in the league one day. You have Darius Garland, who's come along very good as a scorer. Um, Russell Westbrook can help facilitate things as well. Um, Jared Allen, obviously, it does what he does. He is like a, uh, he is Anderson Verizal, but he can score the hell in the paint, unlike Verizal could ever do. So there's, so there's a scenario there where that happens. Do I think it's likely? No. The only reason why I say don't dismiss this is because if there's anyone who's been known in NBA history to bring his friends over and give them sometimes unneeded and more unwarranted jobs, it is LeBron James. 
hey, but he does it for the fam, man. He does it for the fam. He does it for the, for uh, you know, his teammates. He does it for his friends. You gotta you, that, you gotta admire that in a way. But Kevin Love and LeBron are very close in all seriousness. And if this does happen, it probably should not surprise people for that very reason. Like Kevin, like LeBron James loves Kevin Love. Ricky Rubio, obviously, I think would be a good piece for them to get back because he would be. And, and he's shown this year that he can be a great facilitator of the ball, and he's not as expensive as a guy like uh, Ben Simmons would be, right? So don't don't say that scenario is out of the question. Don't think that it's out of the question just yet. And don't think that you guys can get away with watching the stream without hitting that like button, subscribing, and hitting that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We're heading down the home stretch here as I... Uh, Put together my graphics here. Um, well, actually, actually, let's get to this right now because I am, I am uh, getting tired. I still have one more stream to do today. That's gonna be a fun one, guys. Me, Trevor, talking about wrestling. Real take. Wrestle talk live every single Tuesday night on YouTube. Be sure to check that out. Uh, stick around and check that out as well. Um, let's actually get to our last official segment of this of today. And do our NFL pick? Oh, well, that's the wrong graphic. All right, cool. Final takes. Um, but let's do our NFL pick them for week 15. With week 15 of the NFL season just around the corner, we're going to be picking every game from this week. We got Thursday night games. We got Saturday night games. We got Sunday night games. And, of course, we got Monday night games. What a week it's about to be for pro football. Fo- pro football is going to happen, like, on four different days this week. You got to love it as a fan. Players definitely hate it, but fans, we lo- we thrive on this, don't we? Anyway, let's kick it off with the Thursday night matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles, not San Diego, Chargers. Huge, crucial matchup for both teams. The Chargers need to have a win here to keep pace with the Chiefs for the NFC West. It's, it's them as well as the Denver Broncos in a chase for that NFC West crown. It is going to be a Big time atmosphere in SoFi Stadium. You know damn well those Chiefs fans are going to travel to Los Angeles for that game. And it's going to be raucous. But the big question is, I think, is that Chiefs defense that has been able to, you know, hold the Cowboys to under uh, 20 points. Hold the the Raiders to under 10 points, I believe, in, in two of their matchups uh, over the past few weeks. That, that, that defense has really come on. Is it going to keep pace with this Chargers offense that has been known at times this season to be very electric. That is the huge question, the critical thing that will decide this game. It's not even Pat Mahomes. It is Justin Herbert versus that defense and that Chiefs defense versus themselves because earlier on the season, this was not a good defense at all. It was putrid at times. And if they want, if they, the Kansas City Chiefs, want to be able to say that they are a, that they are going to be the champions. They got to win this game. With this, if with this win, they basically cement it. At that point, they're ten and four. The Chargers are what eight and six, and they're in the driver's seat. They don't even need to win out to win that division. So, given that though, I'm right now the Chiefs are hot, but I'm going to go with the young and up and coming uh, Los. I almost called them San Diego Los Angeles Chargers. I think. It's time for them to put up or shut up. We're going to find out in this game whether or not the Chargers are ready to compete this year. 
Let's find out. I'm I'm going with San Diego in this one. Again, I call them San Diego. They should still be in San Diego, shouldn't they? Up next, we'll talk about the Raiders taking on the Cleveland Brands. The Cleveland Browns and the Raiders will do at, will do battle at Saturdays at 4:30 p.m. Interesting time for football. Interesting time indeed. But two teams that started the season in the conversation of potentially being divisional winners, potentially being Super Bowl contenders. They both started the season very well. Raiders have uh, got, now gone down to six and seven. They're at the point in the season where they annually just you know depress their fans and you know just tank. And now the Browns, they've also kind of hit a rough patch. Big win over the Ravens the other day, but they almost blew that one. So these are two teams that are struggling, two teams that are not meeting expectations that, honestly, at this point, I don't think can be considered Super Bowl contenders at all. Um, but I, I'm going with the Browns in this one because I just do not think the, I think the Raiders are just going to get worse. This is the only team over the last, like, four years that I've seen get perennially worse every single year as the season goes on. They're going to continue that this week. Up next, we got a battle between two teams that were on a bye week last week, the 9-4 and four New England Patriots taking on the Indianapolis Colts. In 2006, this would have been the primetime matchup to watch, but we're watching it in primetime on Saturday night, which is interesting. Mac Jones versus Carson Wentz. Bill Belichick versus Frank Reich. A lot of storylines in this one. Indianapolis Colts now it could be in a in a position where they're going to be making the playoffs. I, I think they actually they're actually the seventh seed right now, so they got a shot here. Um, Patriots obviously they've won I believe now seven in a row. They are just doing great, and they're they're doing it however they can. Sometimes it involves Mac Jones throwing the ball thirty times a game. Sometimes it involves Mac Jones throwing the ball three times a game, but. One thing that I've uh, I've stressed over the past few weeks is when Bill Belichick gets this hot, it is very difficult to go against Bill Belichick. It is very, very difficult. I know the culture at home. I know they're trending upwards. I know Carson Wentz is playing great. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. I just cannot bring myself at this moment with Bill Belichick and the coaching job that he's doing this year. I cannot bring myself to take the Colts over the Patriots here. I'm I'm taking Patriots in this one. Um, moving on to our Sunday slate of games, beginning with the Titans taking on the Steelers. Two teams that are, I think are very similar in a lot of ways. Inconsistent, yes, but have the potential to do a lot of damage. This week, I think it's going to be the Titans doing damage on the in Pittsburgh. I think the Steelers are, again, a team that is trending downwards, that they're their own worst enemy. And you can say that equally about the Titans, but... I think the Steelers are going to be in a position where they're actually going to get stomped here by the Titans. I think the Titans are in that place right now where they are they got that confidence off that big win against Jacksonville and I think they're going to actually use that confidence to help them out this week. So I'm taking Titans in that one. Now we got the Panthers, the lowly Panthers taking on the Bills. Why do I even have to talk, why do I even have to talk about this game? Say whatever you want about the Bills. They're going to stomp the Panthers team. It doesn't matter. Cam's back. It doesn't matter. He's, he's, they're done. Yeah, yeah, I got Bills in that one. Don't even need to talk about it. Sorry, Bills Mafia, but salute to you. Um, Eagles and Washington, very interesting game. Both of these teams still trying to keep pace. Not necessarily, not for the NFC West, although could the Cowboys, uh, or NFC East, I should say, could the Cowboys, uh, you know, blow it even though they're not in four? Anything's possible in that division. They are both in contention for a wild card position, though, too, in that very tough wild card race in the NFC. Both are six and seven. Um, 
the one caveat here is if Gardner Minshew starts, if Gardner Minshew starts, I'm taking the Eagles. Otherwise, I'm taking Washington because I think Washington has the more stable, um, has actually the more stable offense. Uh, they have receivers who are going to catch the ball when when Heineke throws accurate passes. That same cannot be said with Jalen Hurts to his receivers, and that's no fault of Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew will actually—the thing with, that's different with Minshew, I think Minshew actually puts the ball in better positions at times than Jalen Hurts does. It's not necessarily better downfield, but I think it, it's better positions for his receiver, receivers to make catches and only his receivers to make catches. So um, I covered that in a video earlier on, though. I got Eagles in this one if Minshew starts. Otherwise, Washington— Y'all are making me choose, though. I'm going with the Eagles. Roll Minshew. Um, Jags taking on the Texans. My God, what a mess of a matchup this is going to be. 0-0 uh, to tie in for this one. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Moving on, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the New York football Giants. As much as I would love to see the Cowboys stomped, or, or get stomped by the Giants and Danny Dimes, the Giants just don't got it. They just don't got it this year. 4-9. and nine. Their offense is just really bad. Going with the Cowboys. Please prove me wrong, New York. Please prove me wrong. Moving on, we got the Cardinals taking on the Lions. Quick quick one again. The, the, I love Dan Campbell. DC is going to be an amazing HC one day. This year is just not it. Oh, <laughs> Cardinals in this one. They're, they're going to be furious after that divisional loss to the Rams, too. So they, they're out to prove something as well. Jets taking on the Dolphins. Dolphins are trending upward. They've won five in a row after starting the season. What was it like one in seven? They are trending the hell upwards. They are going. They're going to make. They're in position to to fight for a wild card spot. People don't think they are, but they are trending upwards and they are going to do it. I think. I think the Dolphins are going to win out. I I I've looked at their schedule. They they have a few tough games, but I think the way that they're playing and the especially the way they're playing defense and the aggressive nature of the playing defense. They are they're gonna surprise a lot of people. I, I I got the Dolphins in that one easily. Up next, Bengals and the Broncos. This is a difficult one because the Bengals usually after a big win this year, they they've known to kind of just like fall off a little bit. Um and the Broncos, they won last week, but they're one of the they're, they're they're they have a weird statistic. They're one of the worst scoring offenses in the league, but they're also one of the best uh scoring defenses in the league as far as points allowed. So Take with that what you will. Um, that being said, I think the Bengals get it done in Denver. I don't think the Broncos have enough fire, offensive firepower, and you got to stop a lot of weapons. You got to start. You got to stop Joe Mixon. You got to stop Jamar Chase. You got to stop Joe Burrow. It's going to be a tough test for the Broncos. I don't think they can do it, but we'll see what happens there. San Francisco is going to be hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Very easy prediction here. Atlanta's going to blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Book it. I got San Francisco. They're trending upwards as well. Got to love them. Oh, and now Russell Wilson and the poor Seahawks. Eliminated from playoff contention, basically. Taking on the Rams. Hot off a win, but also hot off of multiple players testing positive for the Rona. Um, we'll see how many are able to play on Sunday. But And there's key players. There's Jalen Ramsey. There's OBJ. I'm not sure exactly what the status is for them as far as the old Bunk, but um, that they still got Cooper Cup, they still got Matt Stafford, they still got Aaron Donald. They're still gonna be fine. I got the Rams in this one. Finally, moving on, moving on to our last afternoon game for Sunday: Green Bay Packers taking on my Baltimore Ravens. 
It doesn't even matter if LeBron, if LeBron, if Lamar is playing and he's playing at 90%. Ravens lose this game. We just don't have the defense to defend Aaron Rodgers. The Packers defense also has been known to be stout. The only way the Ravens win is by special teams, as the, Bear, as the Bears almost proved last week. That, that is the big weakness of this Green Bay Packers team in special teams. So we'll see. And I wouldn't be saying it if I wasn't so unconfident about this. We are not winning this game. Do I want us to win? Yes. Should we, If we win, am I going to be happy? Damn right. But I just don't think we got it. Um, Sunday Night Football. Saints are going to Tampa Bay. You know what? I don't care. I don't care if they lost to Dallas. I don't care what the situation is. I'm still all in on Taysom Hill. I'm still all in on this Saints team. They're beating the defending Super Bowl champions on Sunday Night Football in Tampa Bay. Don't give a shiznit. They're doing it. Prove me wrong. And finally, what a Monday Night matchup this is going to be. Two teams that are very equally matched, I think. Divisional matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. They have not fired Matt Nagy up until this point. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to, even though I don't want to, I don't, I'm not a fan of Kirk Cousins, not a fan of the Minnesota Vikings team. It's going to, they're going to implode. And I think the team is going to be blown up after this, but I just cannot take a Matt Nagy led team right now. It's just, it's just, they are just proven to disappoint that that is it. That is it. But that's my predictions. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll see what happens on Thursday. We'll see what happens on Monday. So many days, so much football, so little time. But there's enough time left in this broadcast to make sure you guys hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's go to the chat real quick where my good friend Drew Carlson has joined. Um, let's go to uh, Let's go to him saying... I'm kind of a hater on OBJ. A lot of people are, and I get why. Uh, you know, he, he kind of, I guess, fits the mold of the diva receiver. I do think, though, that he was not the problem in, in Cleveland. I've explained that in previous videos. I'll explain it again probably on the Thursday night stream. By the way, Thursday night stream for Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Chargers. 90% chance that's going to happen. But we'll see. Um, Elena Newton, Um, do you think the Ravens will make the Super Bowl? Not this year. I don't think... I don't think we will. I am, and, and the, the, I am like the most optimistic Ravens fan you'll probably ever meet. Even though I'm grounded, but I'm still grounded in realism. This is like the one year where I'm just like, we have, we have a lot of injuries. It's gonna be very difficult for us to make a run. Um, we're like we're eight and five right now, barely leading the division. It is it's gonna be tough. It is going to be tougher than ever before. If we find if we find a way to do it, it is going to be historic. And John Harbaugh deserves coach of the year. I don't care how many wins Bill Belichick gets. I don't care how many wins uh, Matt Lefleur gets. Yeah, it John Harbaugh. If they if the Ravens want to wind up in the Super Bowl, he needs to be coach of the year because even the coaching job he's done so far has been just absolutely great. Like I don't. This is not even the home bias in me saying this. Eighteen players on IR. And this team, losing your starting quarterback, who's your entire offense for a game, still winning that game with a backup, every, he has prepared this team to play as well as they can every week. And that's not what you can say about a lot of coaches. And given the situation and how they've been playing, it's just been exquisite. So there, even if he doesn't win Coach of the Year, honorable mention 100% to John Harbaugh. Um, I'm going on the chat. 
Should Kevin Love go to the Lakers for Westbrook? Just talked about that, Ryan. Um, Drew Carlson says, FYI, FYI, of course, it's a rumor. Hey, but it's a possibility, too. Uh, Ryan in the chat says, are you going to stream the NBA game tonight? I am not. I got real take Russell talk. Oh, God, in like 20 minutes. We'll probably push that back a little bit. But real take Russell talk coming up right after this stream, guys. So tune in to that. Um, Drew Carlson, Pat's cap, please, Pat's. Uh, or Pats, Plats, yeah. The Pats won. They're going to win that game. I can't go against Belichick right now. Uh, Drew Carlson's very happy that I picked the Pats, of course. And now Derek says they will They will after they lost to the Vikings. Yeah, I have no – and you're talking about the Chicago Bears. So, Drew, uh, sorry, I'm going very, very fast here, I know. Derek says basically that the, the Bears will fire Matt Nagy after the, they lose to the Vikings. While I – while I – Share your your hope. I am not as optimistic about that outcome as as you are, my friend. It is. I think they are just they're they're going to stick around with him until after this season, and then they're going to reassess. But I have very I I have confidence they will just say, hey, let's keep him around. Who cares? Give him another go, because that's something the Bears would do. Guys, this has been a wonderful stream. Again, sorry about the delay. Sorry about all the weird stuff that's been happening this week. It's been a crazy busy week in the life of me, me, me. Um, But if you haven't already, please be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Keep the conversation going by following us at Real Take Sports, Real Take Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And even if you're watching this on YouTube, go over to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Helps more people see the show. Helps us out. If you're got, uh, if you if you're able to, if you're generous enough, hit up that donation link in the uh, that's pinned in the chat above. Um, but a, subscri- a subscription and, um, you know, it's just good enough, guys. <laughs> I'm going at 1,000 miles an hour here, I know. But... Until next time, everyone, I'm Amrik Q for Real Take Sports. Keep it real.